0: Good evening. I'm glad that you're here and I hope that you're warm. I was glad to see the sun come out today, but it didn't warm up, right? Anybody else work outside today? Okay, a couple of us froze. It was something else. What can we pray about this evening? Who, maybe we should say, can we pray about this evening? Now, I personally know of more things than I can remember of things that are going on with people right now. Um, We have one that had a mild heart attack today, Miss Darla. That'd be Darla Price. I believe, yeah, they're going to do a bypass on her on Friday is the plan. But uh, they kind of acted like if they could do it sooner, they'll do it sooner. But as of right now, they're looking at a bypass for her. Um, I'm guessing that's not the biggest of her worries right now. She takes care of her uh, grandson. And the doctor told her today that that wouldn't be happening for the next six weeks. So, please remember that. Um, There's no telling what will happen. Um, Darla Price, just remember that. Uh, Miss Judy Orton went to the doctor today hoping to hear some results. She got no results. And uh, I told her that was good news. No news is good news quite often, right? What else? What else? (coughs) Mm -hmm. They did not. Jim and Owen. So they are out of the country right now in Panama where it is warm. It's nice in Panama right now. Uh, I checked the weather this morning and just shook my head, but no, it's nice. Um, They are there kind of laying some groundwork for a pastor's conference that we are going to do in June, and um, it's my understanding that they're going around not only just letting people know, but trying to find places where either they can pull people from or go to uh, to be able to... Disciple folks, if you will. <clears throat> like I said, they're in Panama. Anything? Anybody else? So hold on to those thoughts for just a little bit. Because we're actually going to push prayer time to the end I would like to, uh, I'd like to say a few things before we pray tonight. I asked Owen what he wanted me to do, and he said, do whatever's on your heart. So, that's what you'll get tonight. We'll look at one passage, and uh, you'll hear a lot of testimony. Let me ask you this first. Do you know, does everybody here know what a forever day is? If you know what a forever day is, raise your hand. Okay. The little blonde thing that's usually attached to me. <laughs> uh, somebody said the other day, um, he's the guy with the cutest little girl, right? I thought that's not a bad thing to be known by, (laughs) so we adopted that cute little thing, and our forever day was the 22nd of this month, it's the day that the judge said, she's yours forever. So there's been a lot of thoughts and a lot of emotions uh, that I and my family have dealt with this past week, and I really just want to share um, that journey with you for a little bit tonight. Um, The passage that we would look at would be in the fourth chapter of Hebrews, in the 16th verse. And I'm positive that you've heard it. And I hope that you know it. Each translation will read it a tiny bit different. But it's usually just one or two words in the passage that they exchange. So the verse goes like this. Therefore, let us approach... The throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. The Bible has a lot to say about thrones. I would say that in Scripture the throne that sticks out the most to me would be found in Revelation chapter 4 where we have the throne room in heaven. We have this gigantic gathering that's before this throne now I picture this throne just you know about the size of Pikes Peak you know this is just my imagination coming out you'll have to bear with me a little bit but I, I envision this huge throne mountain-sized throne where there's so many people standing before this thing they can't even be counted and I'm, I'm quoting scripture from you at this point but then there's one who sits on the throne that literally just sets the throne off. You see, sometimes we get caught up on the actual throne itself, this elevated position, but the throne itself really doesn't mean a whole lot. It's actually the one that sits on the throne that means everything. The one that sits on the throne makes the throne what it is. I think sometimes we envision it reverse, and we think that it's the throne that's the most important, and it makes The one who sits on the throne. But as I think about thrones, there's a few things about the throne that you just have to know. The one who sits on it is sovereign. And what they say goes. We don't often think of uh, judging coming from the throne. But the scripture tells us in multiple places about the thrones of judgment. And about who is the one who judges on those thrones. And really it's one person. So we could just view it as one throne. What I want you to remember about our throne and the one who sits on it is that as a Christian, our penalty has already been paid. The debt that we owed, the sin debt that we owed has already been paid. And we will not stand accountable for that. We'll stand accountable for our actions, but Jesus literally paid our debt and he's the one who sits on the throne. I'll come back to that a little bit later. So As we think about a throne and the person who sits on it making judgments, um, I'll share a story with you about going before a judge. I've been before a judge a couple of times. And I should also back up just a tiny little bit and tell you a, a quick little story that's brought me to this passage. I was driving down the road one day And I was listening to a guy named Adrian Rogers preach. I don't remember what he was preaching, to tell you the truth. I tuned him out because that's what we do. We tune preachers out, right? Either way, he was preaching, and God speaks to me, and he tells me that my prayers are weak. He said, you pray for things that you can do. I want you to pray for things that only I can do. If you're wondering, the first thing that should be coming to mind, you and I can't save a person. We cannot save us all. So if you need something to pray for that only God can do, first and foremost, that's what we should be praying for. The salvation of our family, of our friends, our neighbors. But that's one thing that only God can do. There's one thing that we can be praying for that only God can do. So I began to just chew on this and think about these things. What what else could I be praying for that only God can do? When we knew we were going to adopt, um, we kind of prayed about it a little bit. We hem-hauled around about it. Um, Our kids began to talk about it, and that got our attention because we didn't talk about it with our kids, per se. And uh, we began to think, okay, maybe this is is time. Maybe we should start moving forward. And so we ended up um, going through foster care, had a few kids coming in and out of the house, and um, one really uh, tough experience with the child exiting kind of set us back, and we didn't really understand what was going on and how all this was going to work we knew god had called us to adopt but we didn't know how the details were going to work to make a, a long story short we went on a trip and it seemed like everybody we talked to on the trip started asking us about adoption just randomly all this stuff we're like okay this is just weird so either way we came home and uh, began to pray about it and my wife received a text message um I know this is strange, but my wife received a text message. Uh, wanted to know if she was interested in adopting a, a child, and uh, it was from her, from her cousin. And she didn't say anything to me because she didn't want me to get my hopes up too soon. So um, they conversed a little bit. Next thing I know, we're uh, meeting with her, having lunch, and talking about adopting her child. She was pregnant. Um, On drugs, up until the point that she found out she was pregnant, boyfriend was the supplier of the drugs, had been uh, arrested, felon, had money, guns, drugs. He was looking at a 10-year minimum jail sentence. And uh, this particular girl had already watched her sister lose a few kids to the system. And she was 18 years old at the time, and she knew that she did not want to lose her child because she couldn't take care. So she asked if we would be willing to adopt her child. And I like it when God brings things to me, not when he sends me after them so much, and I've got to figure out who, when, and where, right? This was one of those things that he literally brought to us. So we continue to pray about... You know, this, is this the one? You know, by the way, we knew we were going to adopt a girl. And um, we didn't know if she was pregnant with a boy or a girl at the time. And so I told Brandy, I said, hey, you realize if that happens to be a boy, that there's more to come, right? Because every one of us know we're going to adopt a girl, all of us. All the kids, all of us. So either way, my wife uh, was with her when she went. Did the ultrasound. Sure enough, it was a girl. We said, okay, my wife breathed, you know, a big sigh of relief. Just one for now. <laughs> Just one. So uh, we we spoke to um, potential dad. There was two. One signed his rights away immediately, and the other one... Um, he wanted to talk to me and to find out just how things were going to go before he decided to sign his rights away. He was the one with the 10-year jail sentence. And uh, he asked me one day, he said, hey, when, when will I be able to see her? And I said, anytime you want, as long as you stay straight. And if you can't stay straight, don't bother asking because you won't have any access and I said, uh, by the way, when she gets of age and starts asking me questions, I'm not answering those questions. You're going to answer those questions. He said, "Fair enough. I'll sign the papers." Well, had the had the paperwork done. Um, fast forward, baby comes. Keep in mind, we don't know who the dad is for sure. Um, this young man is at the hospital. And uh, you can tell that she's his, just by, just by her face. <laughs> and um, he went back on his word, and he filed for custody, not even knowing for sure if it was his kid or not, but filed for custody. We already had custody. It turned ugly on day one, on day one. Um, as we move forward with this um, the mom and the dad quit talking to one another when he had her served with papers in the hospital bed. She was through at that point. So now we're dealing, <laughs> we're dealing with a mess. Did I mention that during this time I lived in Fort Worth, Texas for three days a week? Three days in Texas, four days up here. Um, my wife found herself in court by herself for the first hearing. Um, The judge orders a paternity test, which we all wanted. And then, uh, sure enough, he was the dad. And my wife had told me that um, she had sat and listened to this judge hand out sentences and that she was very reckless. I'll just leave it at that. She was reckless. And I said, well, that's not good on our behalf. She's going to send baby girl home with him. She said, no, nah, there's no way. <laughs> I said, have you not learned to say there's no way? We go back to court. I'm paying for my lawyer. I'm paying for mom's lawyer. And let me tell you, this young man did not need a lawyer when he got there. The judge had taken his case as a, as a personal item And she chewed my lawyers up and spit them out, chewing them for the fact that this young man has a child that he's not got to hold, that he's not got to see. About 30-something days had gone by. And she said, I'm sending this baby home with him now. She didn't bother to look at his background. She didn't bother to look... At anything. My lawyers say I object. She says, Oh, I bet you do. And finally, one of them said, He is a felon on the way to prison. And she gave that guy the look, the, in front of a whole courtroom, in front of a whole courtroom. And she says, well, okay, you can't have the baby. Um, Your situation keeps you from that, but I'll tell you what I'll do. You're gonna get visitation twice a week, four hours a pop, and the uh, adoptive parents, you're gonna supervise it. Thanks. So, not only this, In her ranting, she tells the court or my lawyers that it looks like there's an adoption trying to go under the radar here and I'm not going to let that happen. So she paints us not very good. Either way, we begin to meet with this guy. Two times a week, four hours a pop. Sooner Fashion Mall was the halfway point. The little play area in the middle where all the kids go chaotic. Yeah. I read book after book in that place. This went on for 17 months. 17 months. During this 17 months, we finally got um, the judge to realize she did not have jurisdiction because we didn't live in that county. And since we had custody of the child, the court has to take place in the county of which the child lives in. And she, she took quite some time to let go of that. And it took the other judge telling her, it's the law you have to do this. So she does this. We get the uh, court out of Oklahoma City and down to McLean County where we're at. Meanwhile, I'm traveling back and forth. My wife gets all these you know, random text messages from numbers that nobody knows, with messages that nobody wants. I remember being face down in Texas, asking God, what are you doing? I'm here because you told me to be here. My family's at home, They're unprotected. I've got a child in my home that everybody's attached to. We don't even know if we're going to get to keep her. What's going on? It's funny how you don't ever get a response when you pray like that, right? 17 months go by. And I watched this young man go to court 10 times in those 17 months. On the 10th time, he got his sentence deferred. No jail time. It was a mandatory 10, but our jails are too crowded. So they let him off. Said no jail time. And I skipped one very important detail that I need to go back and let you know about. About 30 days in, when uh, we found out that it was for sure his kid, I asked my wife, I said, what do you want to do? She's like, what do you mean? I said, well, what do you want to do? How do you want to play this out? She's like, that's my kid. I said, okay. How are we going to go about making uh, everything right? She said, well, I'm just going to pray that he signs his rights away. I said okay so I prayed about it for a few days I said Lord I'm not sure how to go about this the right way what do we do says, pray with your wife I said do you want me to pray that he signs his rights away yeah that's what I want you to do so I came back to my wife and I said well the Lord confirmed it I'm going to pray that he signs his rights away She kind of smiled, gave me the old head nod. said, now you're listening. And I said, I got to thinking about it, and I don't figure there's another more difficult way to see an adoption go through than to ask or expect a parent to sign their own rights away from their children. She wasn't smiling when I said that. I said, would you do it? I wouldn't either. So for 17 months, we prayed that he would sign his rights away. And he came to us one night at Sooner Fashion Mall. And he says to me, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. So we got up. We started walking around. And he said, uh, it's kind of hard for me to say, so bear with me. I said, yeah, whatever. Whatever you need to say. It'll be all right. And he said, well, I've been praying about it, and every time I ask God, he tells me the same thing. I said, okay, what's that? He said, uh, I want you to adopt my daughter. I'm going to sign my rights away. We didn't tell him what we were praying. But God told me what to pray, and I prayed it. And that man prayed word for word. He said word for word what the Lord told me to pray. Now it took him a few more months before he finally did it. But he signed his rights away. And then I went before another judge. I felt like I was judged pretty harsh with the first one. But when it came time to go to the second one, it was a totally different story. It was an empty courtroom, minus me and my family. And a couple of my friends slipped in. Mom signed her rights away. A Couple of weeks later, we went back And that judge looked at the paperwork and he smiled as he signed it and made it permanent that she is our child. You know, as Christians, we're going to stand before a judge also. But it's not like the first judge that I stood against who was not on my side didn't all have my best interest in mind. <laughs> it was more like the second one. It's a, it's a place of reward. It's called the Bema. This is the judgment that the Christian will face. And you'll either stand there empty-handed, but you'll still be standing there. Or you're going to receive from the Lord, if you can even imagine that. But it's a good judgment. Now, I would also tell you that my wife is the one who named our little girl. And she named her Mia. And she named her before she was ever born. The name Mia means mine. as we come to that passage tonight the word of god tells us to come to the throne not of judgment but of grace so that we may obtain mercy and grace when we need it. But I'm so thankful for that one word that I just left out. Approach the throne with confidence. Not with fear like Esther did, wondering whether she was going to keep her head or not. But with boldness. Now that word, boldness, confidence, confidence, Whichever whichever way your translation puts it, we come with an agenda. And we come seeking something that we personally can't provide. But the one who sits on that judge's bench, that throne, can provide. Matter of fact, Scripture in other places says he can provide abundantly more than you can think or even imagine. So that we may may obtain grace, which is unmerited favor, getting what you don't deserve, and find mercy, which is not getting what you do deserve, at a time of need. I want to group up and spend the last 15 minutes speaking within the group. And I want us to pray. And I just want to remind you pray for things that only God can do. I'm assuming that. He has said some things to you. You've heard some things in your mind, in your heart, that you'd really like him to take care of. I'm not the only one who's in a tough situation or who's been in a tough situation. Write it down, make a note, put the date beside it. Be bold, be confident. Ask him to provide. You're his child. He loves you. And he wants to provide. Don't so just flip your chairs. Turn, group up right quick. Share whatever prayer needs you have within your small group. And then just pray. I'll dismiss this at 7.30, whenever it's time. Hebrews 4.16. Father, we do love you and thank you for your grace and for your mercy, and we thank you that you call us to your throne and that you long for us to be there. Thank you for the plans that you have for us. God, I pray that you'd give us wisdom and discernment eyes to see and ears to hear about those very plans help us to be faithful to follow God help us to be faithful to pray we've got a lot of things going on around our church right now that just really needs your touch would you bring healing to those bodies that are broken and that are weak God, would you bring hope to the hearts that are broken? Would you put your joy in our hearts and remind us that you've prepared a place for us and that one of these days we are going to be with you for eternity? God, would you make us faithful with your message? Help us to share that message of hope with a lost and a dying world. Would you help us to love on those who don't think they're loved and who don't feel loved? Use us as your hands and your feet and help us to go after those, God that our Savior died for. Thank you for being with us in this place tonight. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.